Welcome to Complete Edition, the podcast between a PlayStation Trophy Hunter and an Xbox Achievement Hunter. This is episode 38. I'm your host, Compulsive Nerd, and I'm joined by AJ. How you doing, AJ? I'm doing well. Unfortunately, over like Christmas and New Year, I was kind of ill, which wasn't great, but it wasn't like too bad. It was basically just like a cold. That's the worst time to get sick. And like my family, I had a whole lot of people who were like around the holidays, they were sick and it's just like, oh man, it must be like a horrible, it has to be a horrible time to be sick because you're trying to see everyone and yeah, you're trying to celebrate, right? Yeah. Um, It's yeah, it sucks in some ways. In some ways it's like good. I don't know. Like, like when I was like in school, like you'd want to be sick. You'd like not want to be sick on like a weekend. You'd want to be sick on like a school day because you, you get the days off. Right. Whereas it's a bit more complicated now that like I'm doing a PhD because it's like there's so much I want to get done and like so much that I need to get done that it's kind of like it almost feels better to be like ill on the holiday because it's like at least I'm not like getting behind on anything right so it's kind of difficult in that sense there's also like the anxiety of like if you're ill when it's like a work week you kind of like, oh, how how ill is ill, right? Like, at what point should I not come in? At what point should I, like, try and struggle through it? And it sucks be- feeling unwell for me. I mean, I'm sure for anyone, but uh, right now I'm, I'm doing some writing. So I'm, I'm writing a, a report for the end of the, uh, the first year of my PhD. And, like, it requires focus and thinking and you know getting all of my work together and a lot of literature together and stuff like that and it's been kind of like I'm feeling pretty much mentally fully like back now but last week was kind of a bit awkward because you have that like mental fog and you can't like fully think things through and that's really disruptive and annoying like you want to be at like 100% like being able to to write and being able to think or like plan things out without just feeling like, oh, I'm so tired. I just want to go to sleep, like that kind of thing. So, <laughs> I feel that all the time, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. But I mean, it's it's heightened, right? When you're, it's so you're much feeling, heightened. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, mostly better now. Still have like a slight cough, but that's about it. So yeah, it's kind of like part of me is like it sucks that I was ill over the holiday. Part of me is like I'm kind of glad that I got over the worst of it then. And now I can just like be back, but I don't know. I mean, it sucks because it feels like you don't have like a proper break. Like I'm already kind of thinking about like booking some holiday off in like February or March, just so like it can kind of make up for Christmas in a way. And also because this like deadline for this big report is at the end of January. So it'd be quite nice like after that's done to kind of like take a break, like chill out and then return to normal after that yeah i feel lucky that like i got through the holidays and i was tired because it was just like you know i stayed healthy and i just got to see a lot of family and then my social battery was out and i was like i just want to be alone and play games and not do anything and then i get a couple weeks here before school starts and i think school starts in like another week or so but it's like it feels good that it's like we're here I can rest for a bit and then like get that that break that you were talking about. So you don't have to request holiday at that like a vacation in a month or two. But I I probably will. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. So also like listeners will probably find it obvious. But, you know, part of the reason we've been 
absent for a long time has been, you know, the holidays, me feeling unwell, me having like a stressful time in terms of like the work that's due and deadlines and stuff like that. And and you've had similar stuff with deadlines, I think. So yes. it's just been like a hectic time. You know, one of us has been unwell, that kind of thing. So we hope to record like a, a little more regularly, I'd say still probably every, you know, like two or three weeks. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, that, that our December was just really, really rough. Like it was finals time, you know, work deadlines and, all kinds of stuff was coming up and then the holidays and it's just like, it was, it almost felt impossible to record. So we were just like, let's just take that month off and then we'll come back in January. And that's where we're at now. Like we're back and it feels good. Yeah. I think as well. I mean, for me, I've not even had like time to play games. Like it's kind of, it's weird, right? An annoying thing about how I was feeling when I was unwell and it's different, like whenever you're unwell, but I was in one of those things where like, I couldn't commit to something, if you get what I mean. Like, I couldn't commit, like, a lot of energy, like, I guess mentally to something. Like, I felt like I didn't want to... Like, I, I've been playing Disco Elysium, right? I didn't want to, like, do some, like, hard reading. I didn't want to... I, I played, like, a couple of games of Apex and stuff. So this is while I was sick. She played, like, a couple of games of Apex, and it was, like, fine. But I could only play for, like, 30 minutes, and then it'd be like, I'm going to get a headache, or I'm going to feel, like, too dizzy, or just... I, like my skills aren't like my reaction time and my skills and everything just aren't fully there. So I'm just not having as much fun. And yeah, I kind of like drifted from game to game. I like tried to play Silent Hill 2 because, you know, it's a, a horror classic and I've not played it. But I you, you, I just like started it, got like 10 minutes in and I'm just like, no, like I can't do it. Like you, And that can happen sometimes and it sucks because it feels like you're trapped because you're kind of like, oh, um, what am I going to do for even like leisure and like entertainment so i just watched a bunch of like youtube and films and stuff and i've been watching films a lot recently as well but i'm sort of getting like back into gaming like a bit but during that time like even if we even if we did record it would be me basically playing nothing so (laughs) probably wouldn't have made for brilliant content (laughs) it happens dude like it, I get into funks where I just don't want to play games. And the thing is, like, I'm, I'm actually setting back, settling back into a routine and, like, I'm getting to game more than I used to. And that allowed me to get through games with, like, a longer completion time in a quicker amount of time because I'm like, man, I'm getting an extra hour or two here on the on the evenings and things like that. So it's, it's interesting and... Like I said, it just comes and goes sometimes with gaming. Like sometimes you need a break and we've talked about it before. It's just like, God, I take a break from gaming so that when you come back, it's refreshing. And especially when you're sick, dude, I, I don't, I don't like to game when I'm sick. It's like you, you, you have that moment where you're like, yes, I'm sick and I can just sit back and play games. But then you sit back and play games and you're like, oh, this sucks. I don't feel good. <laughs> like it just isn't it. And that it, you just kind of want to relax, maybe nap a bit or watch something like do something passive. And uh, I, I get where you're coming from. So, yeah. Shout out to uh, Passive Pixels, by the way. Great Hell podcast. Yeah. Yes. One of the best. That Better is a good gr- <laughs> For sure. They, they're they consistent and long and great, dude. Unbelievable. But Yeah, autistic and stupid. <laughs> and- <laughs> the only thing that sucks about their podcast is they cover so much cinema. <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding that seems to be a running joke i said the other day i said fuck movies <laughs> they suck but i didn't mean it oh no i was just kidding i was just kidding around <laughs> and then i got kicked <laughs> from the server 
Yeah, that's a big uh, problem. You're going to get picture <laughs> on this podcast because I'm a I'm a <laughs> cinema goer and movie person too. So I I'm siding with them over you. So. <laughs> hey, I I don't doubt you are. I need to get watch more movies. I just don't do it enough. I okay. I just prefer playing games over doing anything else, and so it's like whenever I'm tired or lazy, that's whenever I turn to movies. But it's like that's it's rare, but I do it sometimes. But um, yeah, dude, let's talk about this. So we're back for New Year, and uh, I thought we'd take a, a look back on our on on our 2022. And you know, you and I kind of discussed it, and I didn't, I didn't, I. There's tons of podcasts that kind of like look back, and they're like. How was 2022? And it's like, let's not do that. Let's not look at the year 2022 from the perspective of the games that came out that year, but for like what we played. Because for me, it was a big backlog year. Even though like some good stuff came out, I was tackling a lot of backlog games. I think I completed 30 games last year, which is down from my previous years. Like the year before that in 2021, I completed like 44 games. And I'm sure before that it was bigger, but it's like, I started to get more and more responsibilities and less and less time to game. And I I'm happy that I was able to complete 30 games. I think that's a good number. Like that is, if, if I have, we're going to talk about our gaming resolutions. And I think that like 30 games this year, that sounds, that sounds like a goal. Like that sounds good. Like I'd like to do that. (laughs) So I'm going to probably try to do that again. And, uh, I am I'm, I I think this year is going to be something that it'll come natural. This is another gaming resolution that I was thinking about, but like, to be more agnostic with my gaming. So play more Xbox play. I just, my friend just gifted me a OLED Nintendo switch. And so I can play, I'm going to try to play some Nintendo games and like, just do a little bit more outside of PlayStation, but PlayStation will still be my main, my main console. Cause I've got my, my whole library is there, you know, like the years and years that I've been playing. That's pretty much why I prefer playing there. It's just keeping my games, uh, not separated but yeah yeah okay nice so for me i feel like 2022 just to like i don't know I, I agree that for me it was a backlog year massively i think the year was weird because it felt like the first half of the year was just dominated by elden ring like in terms of like my life and in terms of the industry in general i think then like nothing happened for a bunch of months basically like nothing came out and then and this is like my like subjective recollection of it obviously things did come out but felt like nothing came out after Elden Ring and then suddenly in like December like 800 games just like came out all at once and I basically got ill and didn't play any of them so you know stuff like High on Life and the Callisto Protocol but I mean a a bunch of other stuff as well that I saw people playing and was interested in the backlog stuff for me so i started 43 games and completed 34 so and i played 64 total so a lot of the games that i played were like that i'd started previously my so on true achievements they've got like a ratio thing the ratio is quite high 2.07 which means the achievements i was earning were quite difficult on average But for the most part, looking back on the year, I think I was choosing to play a lot of games, like a lot of indie games that are sort of seen as some of the best games of all time in recent years. I think 
I gravitate towards indie stuff a bit more now than I used to. I feel like AAA games, there tends to be more discussion on them when they come out. Like, right when they come out, it's like a huge thing. There's, you know, millions in marketing spent for them. You know, streamers, YouTubers, communities, everyone talks about AAA stuff. And then you sort of get, for indies, I feel like you get, like, months later, people sort of keep, like, trickling in, right? And keep playing it because it it sort of has, like, unique gameplay or unique... um, storytelling or art that just like is really attractive to people and you kind of get those games that spread through word of mouth and it means you can miss a lot of them miss a lot of fantastic indie titles like it's it's harder to sort of catch them as soon as they come out so to go back and play outer wilds and hollow knight and disco elysium just had a fantastic time going back to playing those. And I think I like those more than anything that came out in 2022 and, you know, spent tens of hours in those games. So also went back to like Crash Team Racing and stuff like that and just had a, had a fantastic time generally. I think for a resolution, I'd say that I don't want to put pressure on myself as much as I have previously because... It's like not that serious. It's like meant for fun. And I think I am like getting busier and busier. And I have like real deadlines and like real, I don't know, problems to deal with essentially in my life that it's like you don't want to add anything onto that ultimately. And I think that pressure can be like, for me, it's usually self inflicted. But I noticed so since I work with Maka on guides he's amazing and brilliant and offers me codes for games early uh, to make content on it and i love doing it and i i want to do it like forever basically like it's fantastic but sometimes you like get a code and it's like am i actually going to be into this game am i actually going to want to make guides on it um am i going to be the best person for it and you kind of feel some pressure to say yes and be like you know, I'll get it and I'll, I'll make it or, or whatever. Like, but I feel like I'm being a bit more selective now. And I think that's a good thing. And a lot of the time it opens up the code for like someone else or for Maka himself. And it's, it's nice. I don't know. I felt previously I'd sort of feel so honored by it that there'd be a level of like pressure to it to be like, Oh, I'll take that and make a bunch of content on it. And And there might be, there might be an effect that when you when you become more selective too you make the the content more quality like yeah if, you're in, if you choose to enjoy like choose to be into something that you're into then you're you're like more passionate about making that project the thing is as well it's not a lot of the time it's kind of like there's some games where it's like we're definitely going to make content on it and we know but there's a lot of games where we're like hey you know got this early do you want to like check it out and see if it's like good for content? So it can be different depending okay. on the game. For example, we got uh, Goat Simulator 3 and I checked that out early and I was like, this game's terrible. And also it's like not on a subscription <laughs> service and is like priced a bit too high and the reviews are kind of bad. Well, I didn't know at the time the reviews were going to be bad, but I was like, and I played it and I was like, yeah, you know, there's there's some funny stuff here but 
I feel like that era of like YouTuber bait is kind of over where like the first goat simulator came out at a really good time. This one, it felt like it isn't. So you kind of have to make like a judgment in terms of how you think it's going to do, how like many people are going to be interested in the guides or the content. And also the other factor is like how good a game it is for guides. Some, some games lend themselves to making guides like really easily Especially if, like, it's, like, a, a game where it's, like, completely linear and there's, like, just some collectibles or, like, like a couple of miscellaneous things. Something like, I don't know, Plague Tale, right? Where th- those games really, like, lend themselves to making guides quite easily and everyone wants guides as well. So it's, like, a perfect mix. And then there's other games that are kind of more open and it's, like, uh, it doesn't really work as well for guides. Like, you can you can do it, but, like, you wouldn't be able to do, like, a full game guide and you know, you'd have to pick out like just a couple of things to do and it can be a bit more complicated and a bit more tedious and difficult. So part of it's like that as well in terms of the, again, the pressure is kind of like self-inflicted because you kind of accept it and you're like, I'm going to play this. And then you kind of feel like a pressure that maybe isn't even on you to be like, I've got to like make something out of this. Um, Evil West comes to mind as well. I was really enjoying that game. I think that game's really good. I need to get back to it. Um, and it was like a joy to to go through it. But uh, I was making a collectible guide for it. And I didn't realize how many collectibles the game had because it starts off with like nine in like the first mission. But then by like the fourth mission, there's like 30 or something like 39. And I was like, oh God, like how many are there? And it turns out there's like 400 collectibles or something. So I just couldn't get it done in time, ultimately. And then also, it's like a really laborious video. Like, if you make the video, it's like two and a half hours long or something, and the viewer retention is going to be, like, really bad for that kind of thing. Yeah, so it was just, like, stuff like that, where it's, like, you don't know until you play it, really. So I do want to try lots of different things. But at the same time, you just can't, like, be massively, like, pressured to to play something or do something, especially when you just don't know in the first place. So I think that's something for me where I'm just like going to be more like patient and selective and not feel like a too much pressure over that kind of thing. Um, I had an opportunity to play high on life early as well. And I was interested in that game, but I wasn't like, like, Oh my God, like I need to play this like right now. And if you, like, accept, then you kind of feel like something shifts because you're like, okay, so now I've got, like, more of an obligation to do it. So I think there's, you know, so so that's, like, new to me. It's new to be, like, I don't know, like, a, a tiny amount in the industry, I guess, in that sense. Like, having some level of, of access. So it, it's been weird adjusting to that because then you've also got the pressures of, like, recent releases versus backlog as well because there's stuff that i just want to play like for me that's already on my list ultimately and you can't do that if you're constantly like trying to find the next thing so it's just it's tricky but i've got like other obligations i've got other stuff that i want to do that it's about balancing that ultimately and also you know the like there's like I definitely don't feel this anymore at all, but there's also, like, many people may experience the, like, pathetic aspect of, like, oh, I need, I need, um, I need to keep up my gamer cred, right? Like, I need to, <laughs> I need to keep playing this stuff because 
otherwise people will think my like insight isn't very good or um, that I just don't know like what what's currently going on in the industry and I'm out of touch and all of that. So I'm not getting any of that at this stage, but I, I felt like that's kind of a thing that you maybe get with multiplayer games, especially where it's like something's the next big thing. So it's like you gotta you gotta get in on it, you know, and all your friends are on it and that kind of thing. So I don't feel pressure from from that aspect at all anymore. That would be something maybe like five to ten years ago I'd care about quite a bit, but you know, not anymore. But just aspects from everywhere really, just being like, chill out, you know, don't worry about it. Do you know, do what you think is best with your free time. You know, it's very valuable. Just, you know, chill out, have a good time. Yeah. And staying on that pressure, like that's something that looking back at last year is something that I did a lot. I mean, if you listen to our podcast, you'll hear me say like, this is the next game I'm going to play. This is the next game I'm going to play. This is the next game I'm going to play. I have it planned out. And then that would fall through. Like every single time I planned it, it was like something would come up and I just wanted to play that. So I would place that instead of what I was supposed to. And so this year I'm just done planning. And like I finished Persona and and like The Witcher came out and that's my favorite game ever. And or not it didn't come out, but it like got its upgrade and it's like Zeitgeist was back in 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 the sphere of everything. And I was like, oh my God, like this is awesome. My favorite game is like back in the spotlight. And so all I wanted to do was play that game. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do that. Like Callisto Protocol, backlog. You know, you look at like whatever's coming up, it's backlog. It, it it'll be there. Like high on life. I want to play that too. Do I need to play it right now? No, not really. I don't care. Like it just taking that pressure off myself and just playing what I want. That's another thing that I want to do this year. Just stop with staying up, up to date because this year, the thing is, is like one of my resolutions that I kind of wanted to do. But then now that I think about it, it's like, just don't like, I was like, I want to stay up with the current releases. Like I want to, everything that's coming out, I want to play it. I want to play dead space and I want to play Hogwarts legacy and I want to play, uh, like everything that's everything that looks awesome this year. I want to play it because it looks like Resident Evil 4 remake. So much is coming out and it's going to be super exciting. But it's like just play what you want and take your time with it. Like don't don't need to rush and stay up to date all the time. Yeah, games are tricky in terms of lists as well. And like with a backlog, because they can be like several hundred hour commitments, right? Like imagine if imagine if you had like a backlog and you have like 50 games on it, but then the first game is like Persona 5 and then the second game is The Witcher 3 and then the next yeah. game is Red Dead Redemption 2 and then after that it's like oh the entire Yakuza series and then it's like by the time you get to game 10 it's like okay so this is like 2000 hours worth of playing games right so it's i don't know when you it, it feels deceptive because psychologically you could be like oh you know there's only like 50 things on here but the reality is the amount of time you'd have to commit can vary massively and more stuff always comes out that you want to play. So it, it's kind of like you should never feel like, oh, I've got to like get through this because you're not going to. And so for me, I have like more of a fluid thing where it's like, I know these are like a bunch of games that I'm interested in, but like, what am I in the mood for basically? And I'll just like give it a try and see how it goes. So being yeah. like flexible is important with that yeah and like i mean last year i think i said i wanted to play through the yakuza games and look what happened didn't even touch one of them not one (laughs) so it's like it just happens man just kind of got to go with it and that's why like i'm not taking this new year's resolution or gaming resolution stuff too seriously like it just is it's nice to have like 
a guideline or a goal or something to like look at and be like, yeah, I kind of want to try it. If I try, if I don't, it's whatever. But if, if, if I can, that'd be awesome. Cause I, this, if I get into the program that I want to for school this year, I'm going to lose a lot of gaming time. So 30 games this year would be a serious accomplishment if that could happen. Like, so it's, it just is like one of those things where if I look back on last year, like I'm so proud of all the games I played, man, I played rogue legacy and I played like a lot of indie games. I got Stardew Valley in and that I put like 200 hours into that game last year. You know, like I love that game. And it was, it was a year where I played a lot of games that ended up like very high for me. And when you play just constant new games, that doesn't always happen. Like the games are fine and, or like really good, but they don't become like some of your favorites of all time. And last year I got lucky and I had a couple of them that did make like my favorite of all time. And not, not all of them were released that year. They were just games that I went back to and was like, I've been wanting to play this, so I'm going to. And I kind of want to keep that going, like playing games that for me would be like some of my favorite ever. It'd be awesome. Yeah, I've got another resolution. So don't play any of that fucking garbage by Square Enix or Ubisoft. <laughs> That's a gaming resolution for me. No new games from that. I fail. I'm going to be playing that, uh, what's it called, Forspoken? Yeah, I mean, it's not your resolution. It's my resolution. (laughs) The Square Uh, Enix one is cheap because they've not even announced any games coming to Xbox. So, I mean, like, you know, like like that one's free. And if anything does come, it's going to be like Final Fantasy bullshit. And I I don't play any of those anyway. So so it's kind of unfair because they sold like Eidos and io and crystal dynamics so you know whatever right it doesn't doesn't even matter ubisoft might actually be harder because if they ever figure out uh how to release a remaster of a game that's 20 years old uh, i might have to play it if if they can figure out how to press the up res button and uh put that shit on a disc now of course (laughs) talking about prince of persia the sands of time an absolute classic, one of the greatest games on the PlayStation 2. But remastering it or remaking it or whatever they're doing with it has clearly proved to be too much of a challenge for those guys because they only make bad games now. So, Yeah, it, I, you know, I kind of want to stay away from Ubisoft next year also. Like, I'm just kind of over them. I think that I could use my time better to play better games. And I, I mean that, like, I'll look at my backlog and I'll do other things rather than these checklisty like open world like the same things over and over again just hit up better games because like (laughs) that's ubisoft games are comfortable they're like little snacks but they're not good for you you know what i mean (laughs) like yeah i'm being i'm being too harsh on them because stuff like immortals phoenix rising seems interesting no i love the trials games i mean I don't know. They they don't. It, it's the big problem. They don't do anything that I care about anymore. But yeah. But it was like I played. So I played Far Cry Six, and I was like, "This is fine, but it's 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 more Far Cry." And yeah, I mean, it's called Far Cry, whatever. But I'm just kind of done with iterative sequels. I think it's as well. Maybe part of it is that I played started playing Yakuza because it's kind of like those games have tons and tons of side content and they're pretty repetitive with each other i'd say and they're very long they're like 100 hours each but they're really like diverse and deep and interesting whereas 
the Assassin's Creed stuff I couldn't get into as much or the Far Cry stuff as quite as much. So it's kind of like like I had like that Ubisoft like comfort food, right? With, that we talk about. But then it was like, but why would I play that when I can just play Yakuza, right? Like when I've got so many of those to go through. Yes. Um, and they can be kind of mindless and I can like some moments in those games you know i i laugh out loud and i i feel connection to the characters and it's goofy and i cringe and i'm like oh this this is starting to get a little a little bit like anime and that's a big problem you know so (laughs) you know i I go through a range of emotions when i play those games whereas when i play a ubisoft game i'm just like i'm just like chill you know i'm not necessarily like offended i'm not uh, upset i'm not like this is a horrible time, but I'm just kind of like, Hey, you know, whatever, you know, the, the last 10 hours feels the same as the 10 hours before, except I've got, you know, a better primary weapon or whatever. Right. Like that, that kind of thing is, is how I usually feel when I play those games at this point. So maybe part of it's that as well. They're not that bad. Ubisoft, although the, the thing that's pissed me off about them now, uh, on top of everything else, is that they like tease stuff and then just don't deliver on it ever. You know, like they've teased like Splinter Cell on Twitter, but nothing's going to come of it because they're Ubisoft, you know, Beyond Good and Evil 2. What? Lo- that, I love the that, first that game. game. Yeah, Beyond that Good game's Evil gone. So, it doesn't so good. But now, yeah, exactly. They've just been like fucking with us for so long. And I love the first game as well, so it hurts even more than the Prince of Persia stuff where they were like, oh, sorry, it's been delayed. Uh, actually, it's been delayed indefinitely, uh, and all the pre-orders are cancelled. Oh, actually, uh, the studio that's making it, that they're not making it anymore. Someone else is making it. It's like, what What are they doing? Like, any time they have anything that's, like, slightly interesting, it's just like, oh, it was actually a fucking joke project. You know, like, oh. <laughs> and and, and I'm, I've got the, you know, Yves has, you know, thrown his custard pie in my face, and every time <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've been, I've been humiliated yet again. So I've just had enough of it. I'm just like, no, no Ubisoft, no Square Enix. I'm done. It's over. I like that. I like that resolution a lot. That's a good one. <laughs> that one, dude, if you if you manage that one, I'll respect the hell out of you because that's a good one. Um, it won't be much of a challenge, especially one no. of them. One of them is, is free. It's, one of them is completely given. free. They'll it's release, given to you. Square Enix will release like chocobo gp on xbox or something everyone will give it two out of ten and it'll be like oh uh, they'll be like oh game pass they'll be like Ooh, <laughs> and, and you know aaron greenberg will get hyped up about it or something everyone already hates it but dude i can't wait until you're enjoying these games while everyone's hating them <laughs> yeah well they just yeah they um you know how square enix are they'll just like i do release, i do they'll, they'll release some like insane shit on like xbox that no one cares about and then they'll be like oh and then playstation and switch get the games that anyone does care about but i don't care about those games either so it's like it's fine because i'm i'm not into the the japanese stuff that they do i'm right always, always into the western stuff so yeah i'm both of them very entertaining publishers for all of the wrong reasons for me another you know what i don't know if i'm gonna set this but this is a, I'm just coming up with some of these on the fly, but I, I will be approaching Platinum 250. And so maybe setting like a goal of like 265 this year. Does that sound good? That sounds pretty good. So try to get like 265 Platinums. Maybe let's go down 260 because if I'm becoming more agnostic with my gaming, it'll get 
me less platinums. But if if I can just keep that at like that good range, that's like 15 games, you know? It's pretty good. 15 completions yeah. on PlayStation. Seems decent. But, yeah. Uh, for me, got an unusual other gaming resolution. I'm trying to have fun with these, as, as you can tell. The first one was kind of serious. <laughs> Second one wasn't really serious. Third one's kind of a bit more serious, but it's a subversion. So uh, I've been playing quite a bit of chess. Just talk about what I've been playing. Play on chess.com. Got a, a diamond membership, so I, I take it a little seriously. I'm really bad at it. Really not very good. So a resolution is to get good. It's quite rare that I feel like I'm bad at a game for a like long period of time. There's some games where I've like started them and I've been like, I don't know what I don't know what I'm usually it's from like fumbling the controls, just being like, oh, in this game, this button's jump, but in this game it's this button and I I'm stupid, so I just think like all the games are the same and they're not and, and then you you know, you instead of jumping you like throw a grenade at yourself or something. Like like I've had games like that where I'm just really bad at first and then get pretty good later whereas for chess i think it's actually going to be more of a commitment require like a a lot of hours i never really played much chess growing up so i don't have like a built-in like childhood proficiency with it i'm just sort of learning it now essentially and yeah i think i'd like to get somewhat decent i don't want to set you know because this is the thing i don't want my uh resolution number one to counteract resolution number three here so i don't want to set like a a rating like i don't want to set an elo that i need to reach because again i don't want to put that kind of pressure on myself but i'd like to get significantly better i'd say so probably around a thousand rating is what i'd want to be right now i'm sort of around 500 ish i'll talk more about it later but yeah so to get good at chess or to get like okay at chess would be a pretty good resolution because I enjoy playing it. I enjoy watching content about it. I enjoy the history of it. I think it's cool. I think it's complicated. I think it uh, tests uh, my brain. And it's also a game that it's like so deep, but also really accessible in how you can just like pick it, pick up and play it really, 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 really quickly and easily. And you can play for like 20 minutes and then that's it. And it's really rare to find a game like that, actually. Like chess has had like a big, I don't know, resurgence, I guess. It, it's weird to say that because it's been around for so long. And like, it's it's it never fell off. Like there wasn't a point where everyone was like, fuck chess, you know, we're done with chess. When's chess too? You know, no, no one was like that. <laughs> When's um, chess too, dude? To be clear. But it feels like recently with the Queen's Gambit and like Twitch and, and stuff, more people have got into it. So it's cool to see like a, a thriving community around it. A lot of like personalities and content creators. And yeah, I've just been into it. So yeah, get get good at it because it's weird to be like so terrible at something like completely horrible at a game. And then like you play like 20 more games and you're still horrible. And I'm like, what's going on? This normally isn't my experience so yeah get better at chess that's a good one i don't think i have any more i think i've set some fun ones and i i i enjoyed the last year and now we can maybe talk about what we've been playing does that sound good 
Yeah, sure. So I could continue with chess, I guess, because yeah, makes sense, right? Yeah, so I started playing... So it was actually a colleague of mine. He... We went to the pub and he brought... Uh, no, there was a chess set in the pub. And he just started, like, challenging people to it. And I don't ever really want to play in that scene, I don't think. But he challenged someone else uh, to play. And they played, and it was cool to watch. And there was, like, you know, drama about it. And it was it was nice. And it kind of, like, inspired me again. Because I'd watched uh, Northern Lion stream a lot of chess. And I'd watched, like, Gotham chess and some chess content like that. Like, not too much, but... And I watched The Queen's Gambit and kind of got into chess from that but just in terms of watching it never really playing it and so i think that experience was just enough to kind of tip me over the edge and also i mentioned so i was feeling unwell chess maybe not the best choice because again you need like mental acuity you need to react quickly and you know time time pressure that kind of thing but at the same time it is so casual and it's like who cares if you lose or win like it doesn't really matter and you're already like bad anyway so who gives a fuck? Like, it's kind of worse in a way when you're, like, really good at something because then there's, like, pressure to not, like, make uh, stupid mistakes. Whereas when you're just learning, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter how many mistakes you make as long as as long as long next time you make, like, one fewer mistake or you don't make that same mistake again, it's okay. So it felt quite, like, I don't know, comfy. Like, it was just, like, nice to to play a few games, then, like, watch a few videos, then play a few more games, that kind of thing. So I was doing that mostly over Christmas, to be honest, and having a great time with it. Like there's on chess.com, there's this great analysis tool where you can go through like a game review and it will tell you what the like chess computer, the chess engine would do. So it'll be like, it'll like review what moves you made. And then it'll be like, that was a good move, but like this move would have been better. Or it'll be like, this was a terrible move because you just like, left your piece open to get owned or whatever. So you should have done this, you moron. And it will be like like that, and it's really cool. And it will also like boost your ego in other places because it will be like, there was only like one good move in that position and you found it. And it's like, wow, you know, you're, you're the best. And it just makes you like, there's something almost like nostalgic in a way because it's like when you're like younger at school and you like do like submit a piece of work and you get like loads of feedback, you know, like every week you like do, you like do homework or whatever and you, you get a like report card or whatever, or you just get like a bunch of marks or you just do like a bunch of exams or something. It kind of feels like that where it's like you play and then you have a look at the analysis and then you sort of try and get better from it. And then you get like appraised based on your performance and it gives you and the opponent like an accuracy rating as well out of like 100%. You know what? I think that I'm too competitive and I haven't ever gotten into chess, but I think that if I did, I just take it too far. <laughs> I've, this has been a problem with me forever. So maybe this is another good gaming resolution is maybe try some multiplayer games, but don't care. Because no, like, I think you'd be fine because chess games are so fast. They're like over so quickly that it's really hard to like... I think the problem actually you might have with that is because you can get through so many games so quickly. If you have like a really bad first game, you can get like tilted and then play like play like really sloppy for like the next few games. Like you just like go like on full tilt and then you play like a bunch <laughs> and you just like make 
you just get like worse and worse and worse. You're just describing Rocket League to me. This is exactly how it was with Rocket League. It's like they're super short five-minute matches, and I'm getting so angry, and I'm just like, it's your fault. It's my teammate's fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> I'm just like, I just get so mad. Yeah. But like... Well, the great thing about chess is it's all your fault. <laughs> That's true. There's it's no all your fault. No and by the way, I watch Queen's Gambit, and that show is freaking great, dude. Like, really good. Yeah, it's but. fantastic. I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. As well. I never touched chess after I watched it. I just was in it for the, yeah, the I show. Mean, I, I mean, it's I a good didn't. show. Either I just I just watched some chess content basically after that and like looked into some of the history of it and stuff like that. But yeah, so it was only recently that I like really got into it, and I've still not played that much. I've played I think like 150 games maybe, which really isn't that much. Um, again, it's weird with chess, right? Because it's been around for so long and like obviously the skill ceiling is like crazy crazy high like we're not even talking like you know video game high it's like higher than any video game right so it's like becoming i mean like anyone that becomes like actually an expert or even just like really good it's like a full-time career basically like yeah they're like called chess masters or something like that like people who grandmasters the the grandmasters yeah international masters i think unbelievable like they have like real titles that these shows are like or that these uh positions and studying and like it's a it's a profession you know yeah they they like um they study theory and they do like puzzles and stuff to like gain skill and then they also play matches and there's also like for any of the openings in chess there's like it's like fully optimized in terms of like if you can memorize like the move order and be like okay so then if he does this then i need to do this and like that kind of thing and then in the mid game and the end game so in the like in the opening it's basically purely theory so if you can learn it which it, it it's a big commitment to learn it you can basically get like the fully optimal opening every time and if if your opponent does the fully optimal opening every time it will still be like an even game basically then in the middle game it like becomes because of how many like unique combinations of like chess configurations there are at some point the game will become a game that's never been played before and so at that point you're outside of theory and you have to basically like calculate the positions and like figure out what the best move is based on like partly intuition, partly your experience, partly, partly the opponent's like, moves. Yeah. If I do this, will they do that? Like that kind of thing. I mean, you always want to assume when you play that your opponent will make like the smartest move possible afterwards. You never want to like rely on them making a mistake, right? You don't want to just be like, Oh, I'll do this. And maybe if they forget that they're Queens hanging, that you know, they'll just lose or whatever. Like you never want to go at it with that kind of angle, but yeah, and then the end game's similar in terms of like it's a simplified like board usually, and then you still have to be like really strategic about your moves. But yeah, the amount of like learning and practice that goes into getting like incredible at chess is ridiculous. And like I respect anyone that does it a ton. So for me, I'm like I just want to get like halfway decent. Like I don't you know, I'm not going to go all the way. I don't have the ability to go all the way, even if I wanted to, but just keep having fun with it. 
there's lots of like training and stuff as well. There's lots of like different types of game modes on there as well, which is odd that I've not really checked out. There's also a list of achievements on there, which is really exciting. Let's go. Chess.com. Yeah, so I could go for the chess.com completion, potentially. <laughs> All of that <laughs> That would be amazing. Yeah, they need to get gamer score to it. I mean there's um there's like chess games on Xbox and PlayStation that you can play, but I don't know why you would, because everyone just uses chess.com or lie chess, I think. So yeah, really fun. I mean, obvi- I feel kind of stupid now because normally, normally this is the part where I'm like, I recommend this game. I'm not going to be like, I recommend chess. You know, like you guys heard right. of this game called chess. <laughs> go play it. Um, no, but yeah, I'm having a good time with it. I'm going to keep doing it. It's great for like, again, this time where it's weird because it's so deep that you kind of like, oh, maybe this is like the worst possible game for right now when I'm super busy and slightly ill. But it's actually kind of the best because you can just sort of play it like have a cool win or like a loot a loss and you know whatever yeah and it's, and nice it's also to see, short bursts too yeah it's nice to see the analysis stuff as well because sometimes you just get like a hilarious chain of events and then the computer's like what were you two idiots doing or you get like something where you do something incredible and the computer's like you did amazing so that stuff is really cool the game itself is really cool the sequences of events you can put in place really cool Enjoyed it a lot. I played... Basically, I played some more Disco Elysium, but not too much. And then I played, and I don't know why, it was like a moment of madness on Christmas. I played a game called Taiko no Tatsujin, uh, the drum master. Actually, okay, so I can explain why. I played this game, it's on Game Pass. I really used to love uh, the game Donkey Konga. Have you played Donkey Konga? I haven't, but it sounds okay. familiar. So it's Donkey Kong, right? The Nintendo character. Right. But it's a you have like the controller is a a pair of bongos and it's like a rhythm game. Like it's like a guitar hero style game. I had it for the GameCube. And it would be like, you know, notes come on the screen and it's like you either hit the left drum or the right drum, uh, or both drums at the same time, or you do like a drum roll, or you like hold the drums. And all of those moves are like different notes and you do it to songs. And I really enjoyed it back when I was a child. So when I was just like feeling like I was kind of uh, not doing great, I was like looking for something to play. And I said like, oh, I went to play Silent Hill 2 and it sucked uh, because I wasn't up for it. And then uh, I was like looking for it. I was like, I need something more simple. And I think I downloaded like Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion. I downloaded Stardew Valley and I downloaded this. And I was like, I'm not mentally ready for either of the other two. So I just want to play like a mindless, like rhythm, like drum game, basically. And it's fine. I mean, I'm quite disappointed by the track list, to be honest. I don't know what I was expecting, but the game's Japanese. Obviously, the title is very, very Japanese. A ton of the songs are from anime. There's some like songs from video games there's some songs from undertale which is quite cool because i really like undertale and it has a great soundtrack from toby fox uh, who, who did everything for the game basically but there's also like some pop songs and there's some classical songs as well but a lot of like the pop stuff is like japanese and then the anime stuff is obviously anime 
And then the video games are mostly like Bandai Namco stuff, I think. So for me, I kind of couldn't like relate to it. There wasn't like as many songs that I'm like, oh yeah, like this is my jam. Whereas for a lot of other rhythm games like Rock Bands and Guitar Heroes, I feel like the track lists are a lot more in line with my tastes. But the game itself, the gameplay's fun. And it was like perfect for that time where it was like, I just want to like mindlessly just play this. I didn't get like the controller for it. So I was just basically using an Xbox controller. Although I used to like doing that with uh, Guitar Hero 3. When I was really young, I felt like my hands were too small for like the Guitar Hero controller. So I'd play like, I'd sometimes play with it, but I'd also get like decent with the just like an Xbox 360 controller and just like play that way for a bit. And then when I got older, I'd get like the full, you know, guitar controller and then play like the future rock bands and guitar heroes. Lego rock band, incredibly underrated, fantastic game. The Beatles rock band, stuff like that. And I'd uh, play with the full guitar controller then. And I've always liked them. I even got DJ Hero and played that for a bit. I think it's kind of sad that that genre is almost completely gone but yeah it's a shame that there's not more to the track list i think i think they've got some dlc with interesting tracks but just the base game it's not enough however i assume if like you are you know a a weeb or into more japanese uh, related stuff you might have like a much better time and a, a great connection with the soundtrack so i'd recommend checking it out either way just as like a casual thing to play And the achievement list is fine. It's like a 60 to 80 hour completion, which is a lot. But it's mostly grindy rather than difficult, as far as I know. So I feel like I'll probably go back to it and probably try to get like, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 out of 89 achievements. And just like leave all of the super grindy ones out and not bother with them. Yeah, it's fine. It's fun. And that's pretty much it. Those are like the two things that I've been playing, basically. Dude, I hope that you keep Stardew Valley downloaded and try it out sometime. That is the most chill game that you will ever play. It does get like, I wouldn't say it gets intense, but it's just like you start thinking a lot while you're playing it. You're like, I could do this. I could do that. Maybe in two days, I'll do this. I got to wait and do that. And then you just start like, you know, planning as you're playing and you're like, okay, so I'm just doing this action. I I need to get this and that. And then you just start thinking and like it becomes super Zen over time. And it's like a really, really great game. So if you do do that, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, Um, it seems great. I think for me, it was like, it's, um, there's a lot of games like Skyrim. You can just like go back into and Stardew feels like one of them as well. But it's like the, the annoying thing is it's like, the thing that stops you from being able to do that is like the very like initial hump where you like don't know what's going on, right? Like yeah, you, have you to, get like, in and you're like, what was I doing? Yeah, there's like an onboarding thing where it's like you, like when you're playing it for the first time, you still have to for like, I don't know, the first, it could just be even like two hours, right? The first two hours, you're like, what am I doing? What's going on? Like it's still introducing new stuff to me. Yeah. And I don't quite have like a full rhythm yet. And that's kind of the, like, annoying thing. Like, that was what basically held me back from both Oblivion and Stardew, is I'm like, both of these seem super relaxing and, like, easy to get into, and they they do. I think they were, like, good choices. 
But I think I was just like, yeah, but initially I'm like, I'm not going to know what's like fully going on. And it's definitely more complicated than a game where you just like press the A button when one thing comes up or press the B button when another thing comes up. So I I just went with that because that's how, yeah, that's how I was feeling at the time. Well, the first time I tried to play Stardew, I was overwhelmed. I didn't want to do it. Like I was like this, this has, the game has a lot, man. Like it's impressive how much you can do in that game. And so what I did is I just, when I had downtime, I read guides. I, they were like, you know, plant these vegetables in, in this time of year and do this and like save your money for this occasion. And then, so I slowly started as I was reading the guide. It was just like, I had goals to like do something. Cause I, there was just so much to do. Do I chop down trees? Do I clean up my yard? Do I plant stuff? Do I go to the mines? Do I like do I talk to villagers? What do I do with the villagers? Like just so much like constantly in that game. And I just was like, I was, I was having anxiety about a calm game. And again, like I said, it just, it's one of those things where there is so much in the game, but once you get into the Zen state of it, it doesn't feel so, so crazy. Cause you just are in your day at a time, one day at a time. But yeah, and I'm glad that you, you found that other option that was so, good for you you know at the time yeah really relaxing the um yeah. yeah and i wasn't even like for that drum game i wasn't even like i turned up the difficulty a bit but then i was just like ah this is fine like i'm doing well and whatever like yeah i didn't i didn't feel like i needed to become like the sickest player there was whereas normally i probably would be like oh i'm, I'm turning this shit up to nightmare but the yeah for so yeah for stardew it was like as well the fact that the game has depth to it like when i'm feeling normal that's what i want right like i enjoy that more like i think that makes it a better and more interesting game so it's like it's not a problem with the design it was just a problem of like i don't know what i'm gonna be able to manage or what i what i want to do like i just want to get i just want to be like relaxed and chill out and check out something cool so yeah i i've kept both stardew and oblivion downloaded i i should probably play oblivion as well I didn't love Skyrim as much as everyone else does. I think it's good, but I don't think it's great. I hated it when it came out, but I I haven't played it in so long that I got to restart. I got to try it again. Yeah, when it came out, I thought it was massively overrated. I was like, this game kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, then, <me> too. <laughs> years later, when the you know when the like special edit whatever one of the one of the re releases of it came out on Xbox One and PS4. I played it again. I might have played it during the lifetime of the show, actually. I'm not sure. But I played it again, and I, like, fully completed, like, the main story or got, like, very, very close. And I was like, yeah, this game's actually pretty good. Like, it's not, you know... Yeah, I was uh, too, like, reactionary, I guess. I think I was, like, more backlashing to the things that people were saying about it and the, like, 10 out of 10s rather than sort of just having the game like in a vacuum and just like looking at the game itself whereas years later i sort of had that new perspective where i could do that because before as well i was like oh well like fallout 3 is like way better than this and then you know fallout new vegas ends up being better as well so i was kind of like whereas skyrim's the game that's like selling all the copies getting all of the awards and it's like how like how is this happening so i was like a bit like bitter about that i guess and then over time, I wasn't, but I feel like I should play. I should probably play Morrowind as well, but I should play definitely Oblivion because it's like 
easily accessible. It's it may have more complexity than Skyrim without being like overly obtuse. And also, I like Bethesda Game Studios. I like Todd Howard. I think he's an interesting designer. Starfield hopefully coming at some point this year, and I'm looking forward to that. So it might be nice to play that as like a a lead up to Starfield. I've even been tempted. I mean, this is like suicidal, but I've been tempted to play Fallout 76 at some point. But oh no, <laughs> uh, that'll be a bad time, I'm sure. So I find their games interesting. I don't like love them. I think it's weird. My relationship with Bethesda's odd because I used to think they were overrated, like around the release of Skyrim. But since then, their reputation's like gone down, and so like people. People look back on Fallout 4 quite negatively, or at least in some sections of the internet. And then Fallout 76 was a total disaster. So now it's weird because I'm kind of like, like I wasn't as high on them. Like I wasn't crazy about them because I thought New Vegas was better than Fallout 3 as well, which wasn't made, New Vegas wasn't made by them. So I was kind of like, yeah, they're good. Like they're decent, right? Like, seven out of ten developers or whatever like they're they're good but they're not like s tier to me and everyone else is kind of like oh they're they're the best they're the goats of role-playing games for a bit and then you know the witcher 3 came out and you know all that dark souls you know went crazy and everyone yeah lots of things happened but it took me a long time to get into fallout 4 but i ended up really enjoying it once i did but i remember the year i tried and I was I had played Witcher 3 and Witcher 3 had immediately become my favorite game of all time. And I was like, how could this game Fallout 4 come out the same time as the Witcher 3? And like one game is clearly like outstanding and the other one is janky as fuck. And I was like, I just don't like you put them side by side. And I'm like, I just don't get how they're compared. Like Witcher 3 has incredible side quests and like really good cinematography. And it's just like you, you play Fallout and there's like a person standing there. And it's just like, damn, dude, this is like so static and like. I don't not- know. I mean, I need I need to play The Witcher Three, but I feel like it, I feel like they're going for different things, right? Like, I feel like the direct comparison doesn't necessarily work to me, at right? Least in my, yeah, I, like they're both RPGs, but like Western RPGs, but it just is. That's pretty much the basic of it. But it, it's just kind of like one of those things where you're you're going around, you're leveling up, you're getting gear. Like both games do have these kind of systems. There's story, side quests, and so it it's easy to make the comparison, but I'm just saying if you look at the two games, like the fact that both of these open world RPGs came out in the same year, you wouldn't, like if, if you put those games in front of someone and was like, did these come out the same year? I don't think that people would say they did. I don't know, maybe. I mean, so for me, so anyway, what where I was going with this is I actually think they're underrated now, basically, is like, I don't think, I think because everyone else's like perception of them is like, they see them like in the toilet or whatever. They're like they're shit. Uh, they're fucking awful. Seems to be the like public perception at this point. Now I'm like, actually, they're still just like seven out of ten, right? So they're just like <laughs> yeah. they're still at the same point I've thought they always were. It's just people were like way too high on them, and now they've like they're like way too they're like the worst devs in the industry to some people. So it's I mean it's going to be weird with Starfield. Obviously, I think they don't get other ways. I think people are sort of unfair to them i think they don't get enough credit in terms of they have a lot of like emergent gameplay systems they have a lot of freedom and flexibility they make systems based games which are always going to be janky for example like there's no way 
you'd have to make things more like scripted and more like predefined to make them less janky and they don't want to do that like it's a decision right like it's not like part of part of the issue is tech based and like mistakes right but then part of it is also the design decisions that they're making they're like you know like they know like this thing's going to be messed up but it's still worth it because of like this is is the way they they see it and i think people don't necessarily give them credit for like the other side of that that giving players a lot of freedom and a lot of options in gameplay is itself like worth praise but at the same time they it feels like they've been moving away from that in a way because Fallout New Vegas was janky as hell that game has tons of solutions to the side quests in a lot of cases and like you can do like absolutely crazy shit that feels like it's not on the main path that it feels like only like 5% of players would ever find or do. Whereas Fallout 4, it like simplified the dialogue system. It made things much more linear. And, and you know, I, I probably shouldn't compare it directly to New Vegas, but even just compared to 3, Fallout 3, which was fantastic as well. It feels like everything became sort of more streamlined. And I don't know. I think they they were chasing the mainstream as well after the success of Skyrim. You know, all the well, not all the games obviously, but like Fallout 3 was also very successful and Oblivion was very successful and Morrowind was very successful, but Skyrim was like crazy successful. So then at that point I think some of the philosophy changed maybe in terms of their design. And so I think it's kind of complicated my relationship with them in terms of how I feel about what they make. But I felt myself frustrated with the decisions that were made with Fallout 4, but I was like, this is still a fundamentally solid game. It's a janky game, but I respect a lot of what it's doing still. I enjoyed like the companions, the vaults, the side quests, the city. Like I thought the main story was pretty bad, and I thought the skill system was a step back, and the dialogue was a step back. And it's always bad when like you play a game and you're like, this thing that's in both games is like better in the old one, like way better in the old one. Like that always sucks because it's like, how did you break something that like wasn't like it, it was completely fine as it was? How did you then like change it to like ruin it basically? So yeah, that game frustrated me, but it was still good. Again, it kind of like Skyrim where it's like I played it and I was like, this sucks. And then I come back and I'm like, oh, you know, it's fine. It was okay. So I'm interested in Starfield in terms of that, but I should definitely play more of their stuff because they've had such an interesting history and they're not actually... What makes them interesting as a studio as well is that they've not stayed static. They have taken risks and done different things and like divided up, you know, for better and for worse, they've divided up their community because they've taken risks, essentially. They've said like, oh, we're doing this, now we're doing this. And Starfield's exciting as well because it's like a new IP and you know they've not just gone back to making a sequel. I feel like it's it's going to be a game that's like their other releases in recent years where it's going to be like a mixed bag. There's going to be a bunch of good and a bunch of bad and it's going to be awkward to navigate that, but I feel like they do a good job of like keeping all of their games interesting in some way. Even like Fallout 76 which it, you know, 
Like it, it's an interesting game. It's a disaster, but it's it's an interesting disaster. That's very true. And I'm kind of in the same place as you. I've I don't have that much experience with Bethesda, but I remember trying Skyrim on PS3, and I mean, you probably know the story of PS3. Like that that was a broken game, and so I was like, this game sucks. I don't understand why people like it. And some of my friends in high school were playing it on Xbox 360, which is like the much better version. And then it continued to be released on PS4. And I was like, I don't think I can go back and touch that game. It just sucks. And then I played Fallout 4 during the PS4 generation. And I was like, this sucks compared to The Witcher. And like, this is where my mindset was. Okay, so this is years ago. But I was like, this sucks compared to The Witcher. And I restarted it. And I did it like I tried three times. And then like, I think it was on either the third or the fourth time that I was trying Fallout 4 it clicked and I was like, Oh, I like this gameplay loop. I'm having fun. And you know, I like, I, it was my first time with fallout. So I did enjoy the skill tree. I was like, this is cool. Like how you can choose to build your character and all the stats and stuff. And then the dialogue trees and which by the way, Witcher three has dialogue trees. Fallout four has dialogue trees. So it's hard not to compare these games. Like I said, so in my head, I was just like a lot of this stuff was happening and I'm like, it just is done better elsewhere. (laughs) And, uh, then, you know, I just continued to play and I was like, this is so amazing. I think the only thing I didn't do in Fallout was like the Coke, the Coca Cola, the, the Cola expansion. There's like Nuka-Cola. a Cola expansion. Nuka Cola. Or Nuka yeah. World or something. I did part of it, but I didn't finish it. And I still dream about going back to that someday because I did like it. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it was just, it just took me some separation from Witcher 3 because just comparing those two games that year just wasn't doing it for me. Like it couldn't do it. But then after my taste with that, I was like, maybe Bethesda does make decent games. Like maybe there is something, this is why I want to replay Skyrim or like, I want to try Skyrim again because it's something that it was just so bad of an experience back then that now it could be much better. And even with fallout 76 that they've had, they've had a comeback with that too. Like silently, just like, yeah. uh, no man's sky they just worked on it and then they fixed it and they added like npcs and characters and stuff and so now it's not even like the same thing that it was when it came out so i don't know yeah, i, I mean, don't fallout i don't 3 shit on them is their best game so that's that's what i'd recommend or at least and new vegas new vegas was somebody else yeah yeah it was yeah obsidian and yeah um and that's like what people say is like the best fallout Right. Yeah. Well, people are quite divided on three versus New Vegas, as far as oh, okay. But I'd okay. say more people prefer New Vegas. But it's not as like, I don't think it's like a massive landslide. I mean, Fallout Three reviewed better, for example. Um, I think Fallout Four reviewed better, even. But, but I think in retrospect, I think people have like looked back and been like, oh, actually, New Vegas was the best for the most part. But yeah, three. But. Th- the thing with New Vegas is that none of it would have been possible without Fallout 3. Like, Fallout oh, 3 was amazing. such, like, a huge leap from Fallout 2, just in terms of, like, the type of game. I mean, it's a completely different type of game, essentially. So, like, all of the systems in 3, like, lots of them basically, like, copied and pasted into New Vegas. But obviously, Bethesda had to build those from the ground up in the first place for Fallout 3. So... It's one of those things where it's like New Vegas in some ways had like an easier time than Fallout 3 because they had to like do it for the first time, right? Right. So, yeah, it's um, it's like, 
for three and New Vegas, people, I think, just look at both extremely positively, typically. In terms of versus The Witcher, I'm glad you said, like, a big part of it is because they both came out in the same year and were both yeah. open-world RPGs. Because I feel like, you know, if they came out at different times, I suspect that they wouldn't be compared too closely. Because I'd, I don't think that all... I mean, if you think about it just from the perspective of gameplay, right? Right. Um, Fallout 4 basically plays like a first-person shooter. Yeah. And The Witcher yes. 3 obviously doesn't, right? So it, it's like they're, they're, they're similar in some ways, but they're very, very different. In it. You know, it's not... One isn't like trying to copy the other or, or anything. There's no... Right, right. Uh, my comparison comes strictly from like a very wide like overview of the game. Same, not the same genre, but like, you know, they're both open world RPGs. They both have dialogue trees. They both have skill trees. Like they, if you look at it, like fundamentally from there, if you, then you look at it and you're like, one's third person, one's first person, one's guns, one's fantasy, you know, like then they start to separate, but it's, it's like the gameplay or the game design around both of them is like open world RPG you're a character and you're going about this world doing side quests, story, stuff like that. And then just like objectively, just one of them just because they were up or, they were up uh, against each other for game of the year. Like those two were like what everybody t- everybody was talking about. Yeah. And for me, it was like, there's no contest. <laughs> there's no contest. But that's an opinion, obviously. Yeah, I mean, uh, almost everyone would agree with you, I think, because I think especially in this Fallout 4, they did a good job with hype i think that game they announced it and released it really close and the marketing cycle was like amazingly done basically so like that came out and it got great reviews the announcement was crazy hype and then it came out and people played it and people initially were like this is amazing oh my god like it was kind of like i don't know like almost like the elden ring thing where it's like people were like talking to each other about discovering shit and all of that and everyone was like oh this is incredible and then it was like a couple of months or like a month or so later. And then people were like, eh, that actually wasn't that great. And then there was kind of like a backlash against it. And then that kind of just sort of flattened everything out a bit. Yeah. See, and I was having that kind of experience too when Fallout 4 was like when it came out. And I was trying to get into it because I had like coworkers who were like, have you have you ever played Fallout 3? They're like, this is so exciting that Fallout 4 is coming. It's it's a month away. And then it comes out and they're like, oh, I'm, I I just can't wait to go home and play tonight. And I'm like, I just don't. I couldn't get into it. I was like, I just don't get it. <laughs> but I was there like listening to people and I was like enjoying the hype around it. The zeitgeist that people were having. But then you said like a month later, people were like, I just stopped playing. It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So I think as well, another reason I need to play Oblivion is because people debate you know, Elder Scrolls versus Fallout, right? Because they're so... It's really cool that they're, like, so different in terms of their worlds. They share, like, gameplay elements to some extent, but the the worlds and, like, the aesthetic and everything is so different. But, yeah, there's always people like, oh, Elder Scrolls versus Fallout, which is better. And I feel like I don't really have, like, a good answer. Like, I prefer Fallout, but I've only played one Elder Scrolls game, so it's not really a fair comparison for me to make because for all i know maybe skyrim's like you know i like it but maybe that's the one that i like the least if i play the other ones because the thing with that series is it's not like the others aren't critically acclaimed like oblivion was considered like a must-have early xbox 360 title you know it, it was 
you know, it won Game of the Year awards and all of that. So, and Morrowind was extremely successful as well in terms of the way people view it, like, critically at this point. So I feel like I need to get some perspective on, like, the Elder Scrolls, like, the world of the Elder Scrolls beyond just Skyrim, because all of my opinions and everything that I've got to, like, base any comparisons off of is just purely from Skyrim, and I don't really think that's fair. So I want to go to it for that. But, yeah, so Oblivion... Stardew Valley, no promises that like I'll get to them soon, but they're both games, again, like Silent Hill 2 as well, like games that when I was looking for stuff to just be like, ooh, what do I want to play soonish? They they were on there. Yeah, and one last thing about Skyrim, you know, I prefer fantasy over sci-fi, over guns, over anything. Like, I just like that genre a lot. It's it's always been something I love. Since I was a kid, I was super into the Lord of the Rings game on, on PS2 and the Lord of the Rings movies. And so so I was just, like, big into fantasy. And so I, I think that if I went back to Skyrim, I would like it. But you know what's something interesting is I want to hold off until I get, like, PSVR 2 and, like, play that, play Skyrim in VR. I think that going around with, like, a sword, magic, shields, like, in in vr like that i think that would elevate that game for me like on a whole nother level because it'd be so fun to just be going around and swinging a sword and like actually physically like doing it you know it'd be so awesome but like that's something that i don't know if i can get a ps2 a psvr2 this year just because i have school and i'll have a lot of responsibilities but maybe the next year maybe next year so we'll see but that's that's the last thing i wanted to say about that did you have a third or another game no no that's it Okay, well, I guess I'll talk about mine. And I, I almost downloaded Skyrim on the Switch, but I've decided not to because there's other games that I can play on there, like Zelda. I played Persona 5 Royal over this break, and this was all because I, I lost a bet, but it was a bet that I wanted to lose, kind of, if that makes sense. Because I had a friend who was like, I'm going to try Tales of Arise, and I'm like, you're not going to beat that game. And I really wanted him to beat that game really bad i was like it's so good like just play it and like i was like you're gonna fall off i can tell like right around the 50th hour or so you're gonna not play anymore and he's like if i beat this game then you're gonna play persona 5 royal in the year 2022 and i was like deal and i was like you have to platinum it and then he did and i was like shit so I had to play this game and it was December. So it's like, it's time to play Persona 5 Royal. It's a long game. And I got into it. And it, honestly, dude, we were having some seriously horrible temperatures here. It was like negative six. And I was just kind of like negative six Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is Celsius, but it's very cold. It's very, very cold. And I was just like inside and bundled up in blankets. And this game is so cozy, dude. Like you're just hanging out with your friends in the game. You're just kind of like, trying to get your social stats up. You're just lots of dialogue and reading. And it it's, it was really a good time for like a downtime in, in the cold in the winter. And the it, it is also seasonal. Like the game ends, I think around Christmas time. So it was just like a perfect, like balance of time, timing and coziness with this time of year. And the game's like a hundred and, I think I, my, my hours were like 130 hours when I finished and it took me three weeks. How I did it in three weeks, I don't know. That feels fast. It feels very fast, but it's actually my first game completed this year. I finished on January 5th 
And before I finished that game, I had finished Ragnarok two times. So I just played Ragnarok and I restarted and I did it again. I was just like, I love this game. Like I live for moments in games like that. So I just redid it and I really enjoyed it again the second time. And uh, so I finished Persona and I saw everybody else was playing Witcher 3 and I'm like, it's time. Like my favorite game. And what I did is I actually purchased a different edition. So I could have just used the standard edition that I got. I bought the standard edition when it came out in 2015. And then I bought the DLCs along with it. And if you have that version, you get the free next gen upgrade. And so I was like, "Mm, I platinum that version though. So I'll just get the new version cheap. And like it has all the DLCs combined in it. And I had to restart a new save. You can't carry your saves over or anything. So I was just like, it's just going to be a new Witcher experience with like upgraded graphics, upgraded lighting, everything. 60 frames per second. And I am fucking loving this game, dude. I'm on I'm on cloud nine. I've been playing since like 8 a.m. this morning. I've got already like five or six hours of Witcher 3 in my life today. And I feel great. Like this game is so fucking good, dude. It looks so great still. Like for a seven-year-old game, I can't believe how good it is still. And I'm like, I'm playing it on the hardest difficulty. I'm really going at it like a Witcher. And it's it's like super, super fun. Because like you need to know your enemies, what type of enemy they are, like how to classify them so that you can use oils against them and potions that make it weak and then magic that makes them weak. And it's just like, you have to know all of this information about everything, every creature, every fight feels like super dire. And I get why people don't want to play it that way and why people say the combat's bad. Because if you're like not playing it, as like a witcher where you're supposed to know witchers know their enemies like they are monster hunters that's what they do like that's what a witcher is and so if you don't care about that and you're just like on normal or easy and you're just hacking and slashing i can imagine how boring this game is dude but when things are dangerous all the time it really makes the world feel like i get why they're hiring a monster hunter they can't just these humans can't just go out into the forest and get attacked by wolves doesn't work that way they don't have they don't have the ability to take a potion that slows down time, you know, because the, if, if they took that potion, then like it would kill them because witchers have like a metabolism in order that's faster in order to process these these potions. So I'm constantly creating potions and I'm making bombs and I'm oiling up my soy, sword and like I'm just having a damn good time with this game. Oiling up your and, soy. And my soy, my soy soy. <laughs> But <laughs> uh, <laughs> you start to uh, sound like potion seller as well. Like who needs dude, the strongest potion? Dude, it's so cool. There's like there's like different things that you can do. Like the game systems are really, really deep. And I it does get on my nerves when people say the combat's bad, but I get why they say it. I do. There's a lot of hack and slash kind of nature to it. But like there's vampires that if you drink this potion called black blood, it's high highly toxic toxic. And there's like a toxic bar in the game. And the more potions that you drink, the more like toxic your blood becomes. And if your blood is too toxic, then it's killing the witcher slowly. So your health will drain while you're because you've taken too many potions. And it's just like there's this stuff that's called black blood. And if you take it like a vampire will jump on you and suck your blood. But then because your blood is toxic, it like freezes them. They have trouble moving. They're like much slower. And it's just like so sick that you if you like know how to make potions and you and you use these potions against different creatures there's also like there's like golden oriole which is good against like insectoids and like all kinds of really deep cool 
like combat systems. And that's like why I got so into the game. It's because like every time I was playing the game, there's so much diversity in enemy type. But then it's also like, how do I classify this? Like, what is this creature? And I'm playing the game for like 50 hours and I'm still finding new creatures. And I'm like, what is this creature under? Is it an elemental? You know, is it, is it an ogroid? Or like, what is this? Like, it is so amazing. And then not only that, dude, but like the story and the side quests, they all are like really, really well done. So that is a huge bonus for me because you know me, I'm like squirry over gameplay, but this game has like super strong both sides. So I'm just like, I've constantly waited for years, dude. I'm always waiting for a game to pass up Witcher 3 and how good its design is, but I just haven't had it yet. And like, I hope someday it happens, but I I don't even have hope for Witcher 4, dude. Like, whenever you make a game this good for, like, I just don't see how it can be upped. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling before, but it's like... Lightning in a bottle. Yes, it feels like that. Because Witcher 2 isn't like this. It was like the, it was like the beginning of this. And this is just like the culmination of everything happening. And Lightning in a Bottle is a great reference, because if you've watched the Witcher, th- Witcher show, the sorceresses do that. They catch Lightning in a Bottle. But anyway, it's like, dude so awesome (laughs) it's so awesome that's enough gushing about my favorite game but like i keep streaming it every time i play i'm like dude i'm just gonna stream my favorite game because anyone can come watch me be a witcher because i'm fucking awesome at it (laughs) i i was struggling a lot today though because like there was a couple trophies that i was going after um there's there's this trophy where you're supposed to kill two contracts so basically people need to hire you to kill a monster that's causing a problem and you're supposed to kill two of them, two different contracts, without using oils, potions, magic, or bombs. So you basically are just hacking and slashing, and I'm on the hardest difficulty, and it's a bitch, dude. I'm dancing around these things, trying not to get hit. You can't use, like, a magic shield. You can't, like, light them on fire. You can't do anything that is, like what the game is you know and it was really really tough but i ended up getting that trophy today so i feel good about that (laughs) i feel good i did drop the difficulty though and then i reloaded so that i can get the hardest difficulty trophy because i want the hardest difficulty trophy i've been working my ass off in this game but i'm excited to get back tonight that's what i'm gonna i'm gonna edit this podcast and let me tell you i will be streaming (laughs) i will be streaming witcher 3 until the hour, the high hours of the night, probably about 2 a.m. probably is when I'll get off. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, but that's all I played on break, dude. I only played Persona 5 and like Ragnarok again. And then I started up Witcher 3 recently. And this will be my second game this year. But yeah, yeah, that's it for our show today, dude. Do you have a trophy and achievement of the week? Yeah, I was going to go with I was having uh, trouble deciding because obviously i've not played much so i was gonna either go for like another thing from disco elysium but i think actually i'm gonna go with there's an achievement in outer wilds called beginner's luck and i'm actually not gonna read the description of it because i don't know i feel like it's it's not really a spoiler but it's like if you're very very sensitive to spoilers it could be and as everyone knows i i love this game so I kind of I'm hesitant to kind of say too much about it in any direction, but essentially that achievement, it's a really cool achievement in how you basically have to accomplish something like akin to like beating the game like in a really impressive way and like a way that totally changes your playthrough essentially. So it's completely different to how normally you'd progress through the game. 
But the game's so um, open-ended and versatile and flexible that you can basically do like this really cool thing, and it's it's great. It's awesome. I recommend Does that requ- for anyone playing um, Outer Wilds to just like play through the game normally first before even like worrying about achievements because all the achievements are basically miscellaneous like side activities or like side challenges that really enhance the game. It's got a great list, generally. I quite like that about... We talked about Deathloop. That game has a lot of like miscellaneous stuff that you do after you beat the game, and you don't get many achievements for just beating the game. And that stuff's really cool. It just really adds and shows how much the developers care about like how they've designed something, like all of the options they've put in, and then also encouraging the player to check that stuff out. So... Outer Wilds, Beginner's Luck, amazing game. Go play it. I love that you used Deathloop as a reference, not because I love that game, but because it's one of the most memorable trophy lists I have in recent memory. Like that, that trophy list was awesome. And I was curious about the Outer Wilds with this one. Does it require another playthrough or is it kind of like when you know what you're doing after you've completed it one time, you're like, I can do this thing like pretty quickly. It does require another playthrough. Okay. Okay. But when you do another playthrough, are there other like trophies and stuff that you can, or uh, trophies and achievements that you can get along the way? Yes. Awesome. Um, okay. So. Yeah, but it it depends. The problem is, is if I keep narrowing it down, eventually, you know. Like, right. Right. Yeah. We don't want to spoil anything because I might play it someday. You keep your eye out because I I'm that's a game that's been it got a next gen patch but I don't know if it's very good I heard there was still some frame drops which is unfortunate I played it before the patch but and I thought it was fine I think it was I think it was a sixty fps patch I thought it was okay at thirty but you know your mileage may vary I'm sure it's better now yeah. than it was pre patch but it's still not perfect as far as I know. But, yeah, people have no tolerance for 30, but I don't care. I'll do it. I'll do a 30 frames per second game. I don't care. The game's not, you know, you don't play it like Titanfall 2, so or Doom, you know, it's it's right. It it's fine at 30, I think. I yeah. Um my trophy and achievement of the week is from Witcher 3, and I chose this trophy just because there's a lot of love and care that goes into The Witcher, and it it's it's a book series before it was a game. And the trophy name is Butcher of Blaviken, which is a short story within the Witcher uh, books. And then they redid it. And I think for episode one of the TV show, they they did it in that too. But it's basically killing five opponents in under 10 seconds. Because again, like I've stated previously, Witchers are like superhuman. So they can move really fast. And they, they're just, it's just like, don't fuck with them. And there's a not a very good situation that the witcher's in and he kills a lot of people in a very fast amount of time and i just find it cool that in the game it's just like you know kill five opponents in under 10 seconds that's all that's fast man like (laughs) that's killing a lot of enemies really quick and i i love that it's a reference to the books that's really cool really really cool but uh that's my trophy and achievement of the week do you have anything else to say uh aj um yeah, I hope everyone had a great Christmas, New Year, or whatever you celebrate, if if neither of those things. Um, and that 2023 goes well for everyone. Yeah, I, I second that. But everyone, thanks for listening. 
Peace out. Happy hunting. See you. Thank you so much for listening to Complete Edition. If you like the content, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash completion club. If you have any questions or would like to reach us, email completionclub at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Complete Edition.